Good morning, church family and ministry friends. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome today to our online, internet, around the world church service. And I'm so happy that you're here today because I believe that God's Word is going to build you up to do everything that He has called you to do and to become the person that He has called you to become in Christ Jesus. Let's take our Bibles today. We're going to receive the tithes and offerings. I would like for us to look at a few scriptures in Matthew chapter 25. This is the famous parable of the talents. Matthew 25. Let's look at verse 15. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Now the Lord gives according to your own ability. He will never give you more than what you are able to steward or handle, but he will give you the full amount that you're able to steward and he'll place that into your hands to see what you will do with it as he expects you to be productive. Verse 19, after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. The Lord Jesus is very different from a, uh, in the way that he operates concerning his rewards and his blessing for service and for us uh, working for him and living for him. In the world, you may get a paycheck every two weeks, maybe once a month or something like that, but there's a, a, a schedule that's very sequential. You know exactly when your check is coming. But with the Lord, it's not like he goes away in a sense, but there are those gaps uh, in between where you see the hand of God move in a powerful way in the sense of the Lord moving you forward with significant uplifting blessing. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came. So there does come these times, not every two weeks, maybe every two years, maybe once a year, maybe once every seven years is different, but there comes a time where the Lord settles accounts. And this is what he's doing here. He came and settled accounts with them. The one that was given five talents, he gained five more talents. So in verse 21, his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. So there is reward. The same thing with the second person. Verse 23, his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. So there is the doubling. There is the great increase. Now, verse 28. So take the talent from him that had no product, uh, production and give it to him who has 10 talents. For to everyone who has more will be given and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. Now, I would like to share a few things prophetically concerning the season that we're in right now. The Lord is doing a settling of accounts, and he is rewarding faithfulness. And those that are found faithful, once the books are checked, then there is promotion. There is greater areas of influence and uh, uh, impact as they were told now you will be made ruler over many things. So the Lord is doing the same type of thing right now with promotion and lifting up. So passing 
this examination of the accounting process is based upon what we've done in using all that God has invested into us. Now, some of you have, you have gone through a spiritual accounting process and you've had these types of encounters with the Lord where it, everything is confirmed in your spirit that everything is good. And then you see a season of lifting up. But for many, you have not had that yet. And I want to say that the Lord has spoken to me. And I know also he spoke to another very well-known prophet, the same thing, but the Lord has been speaking to me over the last few days that the Lord is, he's settling accounts right now. And he's almost done in this season. And the settling of the accounts is going to go up until the end of this month of April 2022. He's going to be settling all the way until the end. He's going to get it all done by the time this month ends. Now, some of you, you're really good with numbers and you're thinking, Pastor Stephen, that's only like six days. That's, that's less than a week left in this month. I know it is very, very exciting what God is doing. Some have already had their accounts settled and uh, they've been serving him for, for years or quite some time. And boom, something has happened where God has checked off on their accounts. Everything's good. Uh, there has been great stewardship and they've been moved into the next level. But others, others of you, you haven't had it. And I prophesy to many of you that are watching right now that, that this word is bearing witness with your spirit over these next few days. Be very, very prayerful because you will note, you will notice in the spirit, the Lord is reviewing your accounts. And when it is checked off and there is the green mark, the, the uh, check mark, then you're going to be moved forward by the Lord into the new season of just being able to accomplish what he's called you to do. You're going to be empowered to do it. Oh, this is very, very exciting. You know, I was just in Augusta, Georgia at a television station just a few days ago and while I was there, the owner of the station said, uh, Pastor Stephen, just a few days ago, we were given a station in Gainesville, Florida. Now, there's a couple of things about that, that that's really good. Number one, it's really good for this, uh, this person and her family that run the station there in Augusta because now they have a whole new station in Florida. What's good about it for us is that Pure Gold is on their station there in Augusta. And that reaches all the way to the Atlantic Ocean. There's people in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, watching that uh, station there uh, in Augusta because it's such a powerful Class A station. But they now are in Florida. So that means Pure Gold's now on in Florida, in, in Gainesville, right where the University of Florida is at. We're not having to pay anything extra for that. It's a station that was given to them. And so they will take all the content that's being aired there in Augusta, and they bought an uh, expensive piece of equipment that allows them to send all of that uh, content down to Florida, and it's now rolling down there. So every morning on Sundays at 8 o'clock in the morning, there's Pastor Stephen preaching, and there at the University of Florida, the students can wake up and see me preaching Jesus Christ saves to them. Hallelujah. As well as these other places. You know, an extra special blessing is that in order to have a station like that, the FCC, the government agency that oversees that, requires that every station have 3% local content. 
Well, that means there's a few pastors. They don't even know it yet. There's a few pastors that are going to be asked to come on that station because they live there locally and the government requires 3% local content. So there's some pastors that are going to be asked to come on that station and they don't even know it yet. And they're not even going to have to pay anything. Only 3% have that, that special option, and you have to live there within that, that little uh, that local radius, although it, the, the, the airwaves go really far. You have to live right there. That means if a pastor is ready, and they've been doing their, it doesn't matter if they've been uh, preaching and teaching to 20 people. If they have a good camera system, and they're recording it well, they could be invited. Who knows to be able to come on there. So, see, see, God's rewarding faithfulness. You can't just give a television station to somebody. The, most people wouldn't know what to do with that. They're like, I, we don't know anything about this. So you stay in your, your career field. You stay in your calling. And God is going to lift you up and bless you right there. So the Lord had, in the spirit realm, had settled accounts with them. And overnight, the already large magnitude of their ministry was doubled. It was completely doubled overnight, just like the stewards here. They doubled what God had given them. Why? They're faithful. They're working and doing all they can to preach the gospel. And this is what God's doing. It's happening all over the place, but some have not yet had their settling of accounts. And I believe I'm speaking to quite a few people right now. Please be very sensitive to the Holy Spirit in the last days of this month. Hallelujah. Of course, this receiving of today's tithe and offering, in a sense, this, what I'm saying, has a prophetic date stamp on it. And this is, this is going to, the Lord's going to wrap it up by the end of this month, the reviewing of accounts. And I want you to be uh, just sensitive to that. Keep on doing the right thing. You know, if you were going to run a marathon, uh, which is 26.2 miles, you don't wait till the week ahead of the marathon to start training. It's already too late. And so with the review that's coming, it could happen tonight. The review that's coming. It's not like suddenly you can, Lord, let me just pull it all together. No, this has been going, this has been building for months, months, even years for some. And you're now going to be at that place where the review takes place. And I feel really good in my spirit for so many of you that are watching because you are real Bible sticklers. You really do hearken unto the word of the Lord. And so I know for many of you, there will be the passing marks. And I am praying that you pass with flying colors. Hallelujah. See, I'm a teaching priest. <laughs> Back in the Old Testament, that's what the priest did. Teach, teach, teach the people. Why? So they can live lives that are pleasing to the Lord. <laughs> So uh, perhaps in many ways you could consider me your, your, your teacher to get you ready for your test. Amen. So uh, I want to encourage you. Many of you are going to want to get up very early and pray. Spend time with the Lord. Watch what the Holy Spirit brings up in your prayer conversations and your prayer time with your Heavenly Father. These last few days of this month are going to be very, very exciting. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, those of you that are bringing in your tithes and offerings, let's do so right now. And I know that's those of you that are watching. Uh, even if you watch, this is not your home church. And you can still sow financial seed that helps us to do what God has called us to do. Now, if you, if you would like to mail in your tithes and offerings, please send them to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 717, Moravian Falls, North Carolina. 28654 is the zip code. 
Now, if you want to go online and bring your tithe in online and your offering, you can do so right now from anywhere in the world. Please visit stephenbrooks.org. There's a link on the homepage that says give. It has a red heart and you can click that and that'll take you to the segment where you can give your tithe. And if you would like to sow special seed, click the orange link that says projects and you'll see the current projects that we are focused on right now. And thank you so much for your faithfulness to the Lord in this area. It moves us forward in the assignment that God has for this ministry. Now those, let me just close by saying those who pass the settling of accounts are going to receive a new and greater release of God's glory and power to demonstrate the kingdom of God in the area where you live and also for many of you, even to the nations. Mm-mm. And you're going to have people come up to you and they're going to say, teach me how you're doing this. How are you manifesting these things that we're all craving after? And yet you're doing it with no stress, no pressure. And yet this all is all happening. Okay. And so you will be able to lead many to the Lord. Lift your hands. Father, I pray for your people that they be very sensitive to your Holy Spirit. This is a great time. This is what they've been waiting for. Father, the steward that, multi- that, that doubled, the ones that doubled, they were looking forward to the accounting session. Oh God, this is the time where you're coming back and you're settling accounts. Father, let there be, let there be strange supernatural encounters that take place this week for your glory. We give you praise in Jesus name. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. When you have your encounter, email me. Hallelujah. And I'm not saying uh, your encounter has to be something where an angel walks into your room or something like that. Okay. But God can get to you in a many, many different ways. He can get his, he can get his point over to you. He knows how to do that. And you know how to hear from him. So I would love to hear how God witnessed to you. Praise God. Now, let me pray over your, over your giving. Father, bless your people. I sanctify their tithes, their offerings. It's holy unto you. Thank you, Father. Let your kingdom go forth. Let your people be blessed. Thank you, Father God. Thank you in Jesus' name. Father, for a good settling. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Some of you are rejoicing. You're rejoicing about the settling that's about to take place because you know (laughs) you've been going all out for the Lord. You're real happy in your spirit as you should be. Praise God. Today I want to talk about seven. Just say that, that number. Say seven. Seven biblical requirements for profitable stewardship. Okay? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we go into your word, we thank you that your word is finding entrance into the soil of our heart. Let it produce the 100-fold return, your very best, a life of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, we thank you in Jesus' great name. We pray. We all agree and say, Amen. Now, I want to talk today about, again, the seven biblical requirements for profitable stewardship. And the first requirement is that we must Serve God in love. There's probably no greater chapter in the Bible to describe this as there is in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1. 
though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, can you imagine doing that? And you don't even love the people that you're doing it for. And though I give my body to be burned, can you imagine doing that? And you're not even doing it in love. And Paul says, if you do that, but have not love, it profits me nothing. There's no profit in it. Oh, hallelujah. No level of serving God qualifies for rewards without it being love motivated. We must be love motivated. When our love for God is the driving force behind our actions, then we become undeniably profitable. But it all begins with our love for God. You know, so often when we think about King Solomon, we think about the great attribute of God that was resting upon his life, which was that incredible wisdom. But when you look at what was really driving the engine in his life, it was actually something else. Let's take a look at it. It's well defined in the book of first Kings, first Kings chapter three, please join me. I would like for you to see this. The core driving principle of Solomon is found in first Kings chapter three. Let's drop down to verse three. And Solomon loved the Lord. There it is right there. And Solomon loved the Lord walking in the statutes of his father, David. Now, if you love the Lord, you will walk in his statutes. So David taught his son, Solomon, the law of God. If you don't know the law, you're going to lose your reference of what right and wrong is. You need to be very familiar with the old Testament, with what God requires. Now I know that when we look at the new Testament, we see, we see grace, but without the law, you, you have no standard for what wrong is because the law says stealing is wrong. Lying is wrong. So we can't just say, well, we're just all going to love each other because then you have no definition of what love is. But Solomon really loved God. Solomon loved the Lord walking in the statutes of his father, David verse four. Now the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there for that was the great high place. Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on the altar on that altar at Gibeon. The Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, ask what shall I give you? Praise the Lord. Solomon loved the Lord. Therefore he gave this tremendous offering, very inspirational. God so loved the world that he did what? Just told the world that he loves them. No, you cannot love without giving God. So loved the world that he gave. What did he give his only son? Jesus praise the Lord. So everything that we do, in order to please the Lord and be profitable in our stewardship, it must be love motivated, love based. Everything in God's kingdom actually works by love. Prayer works by love. Giving uh, must be uh, operated through a heart of love. And certainly a subject that we focus on a lot, the subject of faith, faith works by love. So if you're not in love, you're going to short circuit your faith. It is the first and actually the greatest commandment 
that Jesus spoke about in Matthew chapter 22. Let's take a look at that. Many of you could quote this uh, by memory. Matthew chapter 22, verse 36. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. So you're all in with God. You completely are in love with the Lord. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Praise God. So when you study Torah, okay, keep that in mind. Everything is love motivated. Mm -mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Well, Pastor Steve, I don't see God very much in the Old Testament being nice. No, he's all there. So you can see mercy. You can see love everywhere throughout the scriptures. When you understand that's what's holding the whole law together. Praise the Lord. Now, next, in order to serve God in a profitable way where we have good stewardship, we must serve God unashamedly. And my friends, this is very important, of course, in the culture and in the day and age in which we live. I like how we see it very clearly in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 14. Luke 14 and verse 25. Now great multitudes went with him, and he turned and said to them, well, he's about to thin out the, the greatness of the multitude. <laughs> and the Lord never pulled any, uh, any punches. He never compromised. He never, he never sold out. He never made a backroom deal where he wouldn't talk about certain issues or subjects. He was just absolute, complete truth. And he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. This is the Greek word hyperbole here, a classic example in Greek, liter uh, Greek language. Uh, hyper means to exceed and go beyond excessively, and bole means to throw. So it's taking your words and throwing them in an intentional, exaggerated way to make a very, very serious point. Jesus is not saying, hate your mom and dad and, you know, don't love your kids. No, he's just saying that your love for God must be so completely focused and given over to God that you do not make compromises for anybody. And I've seen good Christians sometimes compromise the word because they form their theology, they form their doctrine off of personal experience instead of off of what God said. They had a bad experience in life, therefore they reject God's faithfulness or God's goodness, and now they form their own theology based upon a bad experience. But you can't let anything pull you away from your deep devotion to the Lord. Do not ever let the devil get a wedge between you and the Lord through some type of bitter experience. God can make bitter water sweet. Amen. Stay close to him. He'll make your whole life sweet. And that is the point that the Lord is trying to get across here. Now, let me grab a drink of water. Praise God. This is something that we need to understand. Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8, verse 38. Jesus said, for whoever is ashamed of me 
and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, the son of man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his father with the holy angels. My friends now, when we're living now is when we must make it count, staying faithful and serving God unashamedly without being embarrassed of God or his word or his teachings. Now in today's culture, of course, you have many Christians that uh, claim Christ as their Lord and savior, but they live and embrace uh, all types of error, all types of craziness simply because they want to be accepted and they want to fit in seems to be a universal problem. Even horses, they, uh, the worst thing that you can do to a horse is separate it from the herd. They have an insatiable desire to fit in. And it's like they're perpetual teenagers. You know, the thing as a teenager, you want to fit in so bad. <laughs> it's called peer pressure. When you get older, you're supposed to grow out of that. But Many don't. They are willing to compromise just so they can fit in or not be persecuted. But I tell you, Jesus meant it very, very seriously that if we are ashamed of him and his words, his teachings that can go counterculture completely, then he will be ashamed of us. We must stand firm. Now, I like this expression in the last book of the Bible, the book of Revelation, chapter 22, verse 12. Jesus said, and behold, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. So to qualify for rewards, we must serve God unashamedly because he's coming. He's going to have rewards to hand out, but we must not be ashamed of him or the teachings found in his word. Hebrews chapter 12 Verse 2 tells us how to deal with these uh, persecutions that we all experience from time to time. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. To despise means to disregard. It means to belittle and think nothing of. And that's what we have to do with words and accusations and cut downs and the little bitty sly remarks that are intended, maybe not directly to insult, but you could certainly read between the lines. We have to just be willing to, you know, just keep on going with the Lord and as Jesus did, despise the shame. Don't even consider it as something that should distract us or derail us. As they say in South Korea, the dog may bark, but the train is still going to leave the station. You know, it's not like the dog barking, uh, saying all these bad things about the train is going to stop the train. The train's going to leave the station. <laughs> and we need to have the same mentality. And really, also, it's very important that you have this mindset when, uh, regardless of who you're around, not just your Christian friends, but unbelievers and even those who society might say, these are the uppity up people. We have to really dial down the Christian uh, thing here because we have to be able to fit in 
in order to be accepted. Thank God that King David wasn't a coward and that he didn't behave or think like that, as we see in the beautiful Psalm and the very long Psalm 119 and verse 46, where David said, I will speak of your testimonies also before kings. And of course, this would be pagan kings that don't know God. I will speak of your testimonies also before kings and will not be ashamed. Wow. Mm. Let that soak in. Let that sink in deep in, in your spirit. Sometime in a very heathen environment, sometimes you just should open your mouth and say, Hallelujah. Just on purpose, let somebody hear it, maybe for the first time ever in their whole existence on the planet, in a real life scenario, let somebody hear somebody else praise God. You hear God's name cursed, blasphemed, profaned from every corner. Maybe there's somebody that's been on the planet for 50, 70 years, and they've never once in a real life environment have ever heard the name of God exalted. Maybe in a crowd, sometimes you just need to shout, hallelujah, mm -mm. and just keep walking. You don't have to stop explaining anything. When somebody curses God's name, they don't stop giving an explanation. Just do your thing. Keep on going. Hallelujah. Praise God. Break off that spirit of fear and the coward, cowardly all, you know, they call it yellow spine, you know, break that stuff off and have some backbone in Christ in the word, get delivered from that thing of fear and on purpose, do something that would be bold and brave. Mm -mm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. If you aren't willing to despise the shame, then you're not a candidate for the glory. And I know that's what you want. You want to get into the glory, praise God. Now, I want you to understand this, that the reason for every persecution is actually because of your strong position. Did you ever stop to think about that? That's why they're persecuting you, because of your strong position. And they would love to see you come off of it. So don't sell out. Just say that right where you're at. Say, I will not sell out, regardless of... Uh, where God puts me or has me at. Because sometimes you may be the only one standing. You may be like Daniel, surrounded in a pagan system, perhaps even uh, uh, of the, the higher levels of gover government or whatever it might be. Don't sell out. Be like Daniel. Mm, thank you, Lord Jesus. You are on your way to realms of glory as long as you disregard the shame persecution is actually the proof of your strong position. I want to say it one more time. Think about it. Persecution is proof. That's why you're being persecuted. It's proof of your strong position. Don't give up on it ever. Praise God because God's words eternal. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Number three, in order to be profitable stewards, we must serve God joyfully. Mm. We must serve God joyfully or potentially the harvest that would even stand before us could risk. It could risk being destroyed or just perish and rot in the field. We don't want that. We want our harvest. Let me show this to you in the book of Joel. And this is Joel chapter one. Let's drop all the way down to verse 12. The vine has dried up, and the fig tree has withered. Ooh, that's not good. 
the pomegranate tree, the palm tree also, and the apple tree. I really like apples, by the way. All the trees of the field are withered. Surely joy has withered away from the sons of men. I'll tell you, if you lose your joy, that starts withering away. You can lose the whole harvest. So we must serve God joyfully. <laughs> you must be cheerful in your stewardship in order to be profitable. Look, don't ever go around carrying this long face, long, sad, disgruntled face. A long face is an indicator that you still have a long way to go in learning the ways of God. Let there be, let there be uh, a smile on your face. Let there be joy in your heart. God He's not some kind of cruel, mean oppressor trying to weigh you down. But God is a giver of opportunities that He's always opening up that He joyfully wants us to engage and step through because He's endeavoring to bless us. Jesus said, My yoke is easy, my burden's light. Hallelujah. So let's serve God joyfully. Number four, we need to serve God righteously. Let's take a look in the book of Hebrews. Chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 12, and let's go over to verse 28. Thank you, Lord, today. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God. How? Serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Reverence. And godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. So we serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Because of this, we know that God demands what his demand for us is not just, you know, going through the motions, but it's actually our service and our living for him that's carried out and done in a biblical way. In other words, you don't just do your own thing. Like the book of Judges is, you know, a, a frequent phrase, every man did what was right in his own eyes. Well, that sounds like the American culture today. So your service to the Lord, your stewardship has to be done in a biblical way in order to be accepted from the Lord. God will not accept service from a polluted vessel. He won't accept it. It doesn't matter how beautiful it is presented, or how lovely and harmonious it sounds. If the vessel is polluted, he's not receiving it. Mm, thank you, Lord. Well, we must free ourselves from everything that would bring defilement so that our stewardship can be profitable and acceptable in the eyes of God. Hmm. There was a very popular Christian music group is uh, like Christian pop music, early 2000s, uh, probably one of the most well-known names in Christian pop music. And well, they got, they got rid of their lead singer. And I think they knew it for some time. They just finally said, look, he's not changing. And so but he was a homosexual and he'd been a homosexual for, I, I suppose by that time, you know, years. And this was one of the most popular Christian music groups in America, yeah, all Christian radio stations playing their music. And he's the lead singer. He's the one that started off their most, uh, the most well-known song, had some others, others in the group. But the whole time he's singing, he's, he's singing, he's a homosexual. 
And they eventually, they, they booted him off and said, no, you're not changing. You, you can't, you, you know, you're still doing all that. So you can't be with us anymore. And right after he was dismissed from that, that Christian band, another Christian band that was even more popular, one of the most, and I won't say that the names, but one of the most popular Christian music groups in America at that time. And still today, extremely popular among evangelicals. Guess what they did? They picked him up and said, come join our group. And he did. And he, be, he began to sing with them and he began to uh, play musical instruments with them and began to tour with them. And people would just love the music. And he's still, he's still homosexual, still living in it, still practicing it. And they, they didn't care. Those on the group didn't care going off to uh, different evangelical churches and singing. And, uh, uh, you know, I'm, there's something in the water in Nashville, in Brentwood, Tennessee. I don't know what some of these Christian music artists have been drinking, but something in the water, some kind of a compromise pill <laughs> has gotten put into the water and they're there, they're drinking it and they're compromising all kinds of biblical morals and standards and values solely for the sake of being accepted and be more widely liked and having their records and their music uh, cross over and sometimes be picked up and covered by a secular artist or something like that. You know, that's their big dream, you know, it's for some secular artist to uh, take their song and do a cover of it. And then, you know, they get royalties off that and everything. But just uh, a lot of compromise still going on in that area. Mm. Kind of reminds me the, of the uh, still the perpetual problem of, Christian ghostwriters, when you have real famous ministers, they're so busy that, and th this is a little a bit of the truth behind the scenes. Most well-known Christian authors do not write their books. They maybe write 10% and a ghostwriter writes 90% of the other part of the book. And they research whatever the subject is that the famous author wants to write about. And that person gathers material and writes it and then uh, puts it all together in a very readable, smooth way. And the uh, famous minister writes about 10%, mixes it, some of it in there, and it pops out as a bestseller. But some of these ghost writers we found out over the years They've come out and said, we're, hom we're homosexual and we've been homosexual all of, our, all of our lives. And we wrote that person's book and that person's book. And, you know, one of those books I read years back and I just couldn't figure out why is everybody so excited about this book? This book is like on a spiritual level. This is like second grade. How can everybody be clamoring about how good this book is? Well, so-and-so wrote it. He's world famous. We found out later the ghostwriter wrote it and the ghostwriter was a homosexual. And I read it and I was like, there, this is just like, like a kid playing on the beach in the sand. There's nothing in here with any kind of meat or any kind of spiritual bite. Well, no wonder because of who actually wrote it. And so the ghostwriter writes it. The uh, famous uh, author kind of reviews it. Yeah, it looks good. looks good. Signs off on it. Published under his name. You know, sells over a million copies. And everybody, everybody in these industries is happy. But that doesn't mean God accepts one bit of it. And that's what we have to understand is that we must serve God righteously. And this was referred very clearly to the Levitical priest who often would defile themselves in the Old Testament. And now if they're defiled, okay, now this is affecting all of the worship at the tabernacle or temple system. We're going to have to deal with the priest. Now in Christ, we've been made kings and priests in Christ. So we need to understand these realities such as what we see in the book of Malachi chapter three, Malachi chapter three and verse three. 
he that would be the Lord will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi. So we're dealing with the priest. He will purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. Because if it's an offering in unrighteousness, he won't accept it. Oh, but Pastor Stephen, the sound is so right. Did you hear how tight they are with those harmonies? Yeah, I heard it. It doesn't mean that God accepts it. It may sound very aesthetically pleasing. They may have it down really good, the very highest levels of musical excellence. Doesn't mean God's receiving any of it. Woo! Mm -hmm. I had a, a minister friend of mine, very anointed musician, beautiful beautiful music that carries you into the presence of the Lord. And he was just curious. He thought, you know, I think I'm going to see if they would accept my music style in Nashville. So he flies out there and uh, goes through all the hoops. And they basically said, you know, um, you're just not the style we're looking for. And gave him this real cheesy explanation that uh, we have to have it this way. In other words, this is the recipe and it's got to be real mild and soft. And don't, we can't say anything about the blood of Jesus. So we definitely can't say things like that. The lyrics have to be a certain way. It has to be a certain key. That's what the people want. <laughs> I told him, I said, you never should have even tried. I said, you should have known brother where that's going to go. That's they're never going to accept Spirit-filled music that's glorious and beautiful. That's not what they want. They want the sound that, that could cross over, that the world could pick up. So they're just copying what the world is doing. Mm, 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 mm. So we must serve God in a righteous way that He has authorized. That He says, this is the biblical way. Ooh, glory, glory. Nobody... You know, silver and gold are real hot right now. You know, you buy silver, the premium's way over. You know, you know, if it's $25 an ounce, you, you, you got to pay like $35 to get it. So, you know, the premiums are really ridiculous. But, but even still, look, nobody wants silver that's all diluted with, you know, nickel or all these other cheap things that are put into it. They want pure silver. And certainly when you want to, if you want gold, you don't want to buy gold that's got all kinds of other elements in it. You want pure gold, 999.9. See, it used to just be 999. Now they've got it down the four nines. That's how pure they can get it. That, that's a good thing. You want it pure. That's where the value's at. The more junk that's in it, the less of the value it has and begin to go down where it doesn't even have any value hardly at all because it's so contaminated mm. that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. So there must be the purging of God's people, just like gold and silver are purged. And the only way that you can do that is through heat and through fire. Praise God. Number five, we must serve God willingly. First Corinthians chapter nine. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, we must serve God willingly. Let's go to verse 16. For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. This is what Paul said. For if I do this willingly, I have a reward. Ooh, praise God. Now this willingness is very important. If if I do this willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, 
I have been entrusted with the stewardship. So he's got that stewardship one way or the other. God's expecting him to get this done. But here's the thing. If you do it willingly, in other words, with a good heart attitude, there is reward that's coming for your good heart. Praise God. Willingness is an understanding of what our reward holds for us. Now, some of these rewards we're not really going to understand until we finish the final finish line and cross over to be with the Lord. You know, I have a prophet friend that uh, very, he's very, very close to the Lord. He's, um, he's the kind of prophet that if you were passing through town and all the hotels are filled up, you would want him to stay in your house. You would just about do anything you could like, he'll please stay over here in this room, sleep, I'll feed you, whatever. Because so often when something like that happens, the Lord visits him and will tell them something personally about the person, the man or woman of the house, you know, the husband and wife. And he had a situation uh, a couple of years back where he had to stay at somebody's house, uh, couldn't get a hotel or something like that. So he's staying at their home. And what he didn't know is that, you know, uh, a few weeks before that, he had a meeting and he asked for an offering to be received for a project that God had him working on and invited people to sow into that. Well, this couple, they, they sowed into it, but it was very sacrificial in the sense that they had very, very bad carpet in their house and uh, they didn't have a lot of money and they called and got a quote to see how much it would cost to put the carpet in. And they were told $2,000 uh, is what it will cost to put the carpet in. And right at that time is when the man of God uh, was receiving an offering. And so they had a choice. Do we get brand new carpet or are we going to will willingly give an offering? Remember this brother, he's not holding a gun to people and says, give me, give me your money. He's not doing that. And Michael, the archangel is not standing there with a sword poking you in your back, say you better give an offering. No, no, this is all on a level of you being willing. This is your choice. This is just you working with God, you working with his kingdom principles and taking advantage of divine opportunities that God has designed for your lifting. So they, they willingly said, let's not get the carpet. We'll figure out the flooring later. We'll, 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 God will help us with the flooring later. Let's sow the whole $2,000 into his ministry so he can move that project forward. You know, this is a hot thing God's doing. Let's get in on it. So they sowed. And he didn't know it because he has an international ministry and he didn't know personally what they had done, how much they had done or because he can't, he can't track all that individually. When you have thousands and thousands of partners, he can't keep track of all of that individual stuff. He, he knows overall what's happening, but he cannot, you know, follow every single partner's giving. Anyhow, he's staying at their house and uh, staying in one of the bedrooms uh, overnight. And that night, he had a vision and uh, he was praying and the Lord took him to heaven and he took him to a mansion. And the Lord said, this is the mansion that's being completed, still being worked on. It's getting closer. You know, they're working on the completion of it for the couple that you're staying with. And an angel also came into the, uh, the visionary experience there in that mansion. And the angel began to talk. The Lord was there. The angel began to also share some things as the Lord then left. And the angel said, uh, now right here, uh, is where we're placing this diamond and two angels were putting a diamond centerpiece into the very center of the living room floor and the diamond. He said, 
the diamond was this big. It had, it had depth. It had clarity beyond anything on the world. It had a, a cut and design. It was like this big, and it was going into the very center of their heavenly mansion in the living room floor area. And one of the angels said, the couple that you're staying with, instead of buying you carpet, sold a $2,000 offering into your ministry, and this is why they're getting this diamond. <laughs> well, in the morning <laughs> at breakfast, he said, hey, uh, uh, you know, last night I was caught up in the heaven, saw the Lord Jesus, talked with a couple of angels, and they were putting this big diamond centerpiece in the very center of your living room of your mansion in heaven. And I was told that uh, they, they told me that you gave an offering, a $2,000 offering into my ministry. He says, uh, what's up with that? They said, that's exactly what we did. That's exactly. And they were, you know, the, the wife just screamed. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> Some of you, you're doing things, you have no clue of this reward that you're going to one day see. God's going to bless you here on the earth, but God is so good. He's got things designed that will uh, make you happy. Uh, ten, ten million years from now, you'll still be smiling about the goodness of God's reward. So serve God willingly. Number six, let me begin to wrap this up today. Number six, serve God sacrificially. Now we see this in Psalm 126, very beautiful Psalm, Psalm 126 and verse six, where it says, he who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing shall doubtless come again. How? With rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him sacrifice in the service of the Lord, sometimes through an offering. Sometimes just through what you're called to do in God's kingdom. Service basically means going the extra mile. Now this is something, particularly in the Roman culture, when we're over in the New Testament days, everybody in what we now know as the land of Israel understood because they're being subjugated by Roman control. And there was a law that the Romans knew, and everybody living under that control, Roman controlled area understood that a Roman soldier had the legal authority to stop anybody, to stop anybody and make them carry their gear for one mile. Now, the moment you hit one mile, you have fulfilled the obligation of that law. If that is demanded of you and you can set it down and you can say, I've done my job. Goodbye. But the old saying goes is that if required to do that, the old saying is that the first mile works on you because you, you have to do it. But the second mile, let's say you just decide I, I'm going to do another mile. The first mile works on you, brings humility, brings an understanding of authority. But the second mile works on him. Why? Because you're, you're now carrying it. You're just saying, Hey, look, I carried it a mile. That's what I had to do. Let me carry it another mile and let's talk. Uh, how's your family doing? What's going on in your life? Do you know, do you know about Jesus? Okay. First mile works on you. Second mile works on him. But what is that? That's serving God sacrificially. You don't have to do that. God's not forcing you to do that, but you love God so much. You make the sacrifice and sometimes it's, it's needed. It's not demanded, but it's really needed. And God sees that. And that is really a big one that can cause stewardship to be extremely profitable. Praise God. And number seven, 
And the final one, we must serve God tirelessly. God's reward, it's very interesting how this works. God's reward most often speaks loudest, never, never at the beginning, but always when? At the end. That's why we need to serve God tirelessly. And we see a classic example of this in the book of Habakkuk, Habakkuk chapter 2. And let's go now to verse 3. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it will speak, and it will not lie. When will it speak? When will the validity of it be validated? At the end. So that's why you need to serve God tireless, tirelessly, because so often there at the end, boom, there's that blessing. When everybody else is left, you stuck around to the very end because of your love for God, your love for the kingdom of God. You stayed till the end, and right there at the end, God, and I've seen it happen so many times in meetings where, uh, yeah, good meeting, but then everybody starts leaving. And right there at the end, God does something that you all step back and think, wow, that was the best thing that he did. That was the most awesome thing. When did it happen? At the end. Prizes are only delivered at the end of the race. You have to cross the finish line in order to get the prize. And even if you're in first place or you're running way up at the front, you still can't get honored and awarded until you cross the finish line. <laughs> Woo! We must serve God tirelessly. Matthew chapter 24, verse 13. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. Mm, you're going all the way. Push it. Stay with the Lord. Serve Him with all of your heart. Serve Him tirelessly. Praise God. I've been preaching a lot lately. Seems like almost every single day. Detailed, in-depth messages. Here, there, here, there. Some of them, in, in certain ways, they can't even be shared. I'm, uh, I've already, just this week, I taught twice to the Chinese underground church with many pastors and church leaders in China, in the underground church, and in Taiwan. And uh, of course, they've got friends in America, so now you have people in Chicago and Dallas watching. But all of this, through secret, encrypted uh, messages, well, I'm speaking to them, teaching them, and they're watching me while I'm teaching. Two hours, no session have I ever taught them that was less than two hours non-stop teaching. Non-stop teaching. And it's always, it always runs over time, every single time. <laughs> Do you know what that's like? Just to sit there, open the Bible, and just teach. Just teach. 30 minutes, an hour, hour and a half. No water break, no stop. Boom, boom, boom. Just teach, 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 teach. Two hours. And do it one day. And then do it the next day. And then come back the next week. Do it again. Do it again. Why do you do that, Pastor Stephen? Well, because of love. I love those people. Many of them I, would probably ne I will probably never meet in person. But I have a heart for the persecuted, for the underground church. I know you do too. So we're going to do all we can to build them up in the things of God and strengthen them. They're very, very hungry for the Word. So I'm willing to teach. Hallelujah. But my friends, we must give God our best. We must serve God tirelessly. Oh, praise God. Praise the Lord. He who endures to the end shall be saved. I see you 
completing your assignment. I, could, I see you finishing your project. And I see you finishing your life assignment. Lifting your hands as you cross the finish line. And then there's Jesus at the end saying, well done. Good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. And now you can take a break. Now you can take a break. But my friends, there's a lot going on right now. And it's not time to take a spiritual vacation and run off without your Bible. You're in the middle of a tremendous battle between good and evil, between light and dark. Live for the Lord and give God everything and serve Him tirelessly. And when you do, He will supply the grace and the energy. Lift your hands. Father, I pray for your precious people that are watching. You're raising many up to be teachers of your word. And they hungry, they're hungry for your word. They devour your word. And many are going to find themselves, themselves teaching a Bible study at their own workplace. They will be asked to teach a Bible study. And it will be approved and permitted. Because, Father, your spirit is beginning to move in very unusual ways where you're bringing favor upon Zion. I thank you, Father God. I thank you, Father God, for the glory coming up on your people. It's time to shine. I thank you, Father God, that I see your people as kingdom stewards, highly profitable in kingdom ventures because they're doing it the, the biblical way. Bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. Some of you, you feel like you're on fire right now. There's an anointing coming upon some of you, and the Lord is anointing some of you for ministry. This is your moment. This is like when a ship gets christened. <laughs> so you're not having a bottle broken against you, but there is some type of christening, some type of anointing, some type of, that's the word I'm looking for, commissioning being released right now. And this is not for everybody, of course, but this is falling on quite a few right now. Receive in the name of the Lord Jesus, the anointing of the spirit, the commissioning into your new assignment. Praise God. Somebody's watching me and you said, Pastor Stephen, that's it. Email me. I want to hear from you. Email me at contact at stephenbrooks.org and say, I received my commissioning. Praise God. Praise God. Now, of course, you'd have to walk it out by faith. Praise God. And you, those are things that you know, you, you know, so we've talked about that, but it all begins for some of you. Uh, it all begins with a special moment. And for some that's happening right now. Now, if you are watching this program and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can have your special moment of being saved and born again. If you would like to give your heart to the Lord and come into the things of God and get your life right with God, pray this prayer right now. Pray it after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner, but Jesus, I give my life to you. Save me right now. Wash me of all sin with your precious blood. Write my name in your book of life. I give my heart to you. Step into my life, Jesus, and lead me and guide me from this day forward. In your name I pray. Amen. The Lord has heard that prayer. He has accepted you and received you into his kingdom and to his heart. Praise the Lord. Amen. Now, let's take Holy Communion. I want to encourage you. Grab some unleavened bread. Grab some grape juice and let's pray. And by the way, those of you that just prayed the salvation prayer, I'd love to hear from you. 
email me at contact at stephenbrooks.org and say, Pastor Stephen, I just got saved. I just gave my life to Jesus. He saved me. I'd love to hear from you. Share your testimony. Let's pray. Father, we bless the bread and the juice. Through this prayer, we consecrate it. We set it apart as holy. We thank you, Father God, that as we receive the body and the blood of Christ, we thank you for protection from all the various colds and flus and all the various strata of the uh, uh, diseases and all the stuff that's out there. We thank you for health, strong bodies, strong minds, and staying healthy so that we can serve you. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Father, for the body of the Lord Jesus and for strength and for longevity. Hallelujah. Father, only you know the, the day and the hour when your son will come back. But perhaps, perhaps you could keep us going until that time. Should it be a little bit longer? Perhaps you could keep us going. And we would certainly like to be in that category. Thank you, Father God, for long life and health. Through the body of the Lord, we receive his flesh now and his benefits. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's receive the Lord's body. Heavenly Father, thank you for the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. But Father, if we have committed any sin in word or deed or thought, we ask that you would forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Father, we thank you for the, the power, the efficacy of the precious blood of Christ, washing all sin away and cleansing us from all unrighteousness. We give you praise, O oh God, for, the, for Jesus that he shed his blood for us, and we receive his blood right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Let's receive. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. The Holy Spirit's moving right now. There's a few of you today, you feel like you're a, a, a cloth, like a rag, a wet rag, and God just wrung you out. <laughs> it's the work of the Holy Spirit, who is the refiner of the sons of Levi. Get ready. God's going to work through you in miracles and power and signs and wonders. Be ready. Hallelujah. And rejoice in the Lord this day. Thanks for watching. Look forward to seeing you back next time. Bye-bye.